What's up, everybody? It's Hotline League episode 121 coming at you after two months of quarantine, still in it, uh, but that's okay because we're all here digitally together. Talk about some really exciting news with a really exciting person. Of course, this coverage is brought to you, this whole show is brought to you by Alienware. And first, before we get into tonight's guest, I want to introduce my constant co host, Mark Zimmerman. How's it going, Mark? It's going. That's it. It's only going. It's still only going. I mean, there's nothing happening. Thank God Steve made a move this week because otherwise I would uh, petition to cancel the show. You week. always petition to cancel the show. I'm so yeah, sorry, I would, Mark. I would have a good case this week if Steve didn't announce his, his move. We have sponsor responsibilities. Anyway, uh, Steve, speaking of sponsor responsibilities, Steve is here. Steve, how's your quarantine been? Uh, quarantine's not bad. I am healthy and feeling good. And so, uh, lucky and fortunate and, um, been exercising, doing some runs, walking the dog. Uh, I've worked in pretty much every place in this, in this small apartment. <laughs> you know? and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's going pretty good. you know? Yeah. Um, very fortunate to be in an industry where we can do so much from working from home. Uh, a lot of other businesses are not so fortunate. Well, either way, I am uh, excited to have you on the show because of the big news that broke this week. Actually, we kind of have a, it's like a double news week uh, to have you on here because we obviously talked last week about uh, double lift leaving, but obviously it's worth discussing some follow-ups from that. And then obviously the big news this week is Jet coming out today, leaving Riot to do this. Uh, it must be really exciting for you. How long have you been working on that? Um, so everything with Josh has, uh, been, I guess it's maybe two and a half years, uh, since we had our first conversation about the possibility of him coming on board as a head coach with TL. Um, yeah, so it's, it's been quite some time and then obviously picked back up after, our disappointing performance in the spring. And uh, once we analyzed what the issues were, it was no surprise that we had some of the same issues that we had from two years ago. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, we wanted to, to work to fix those. So that's what sped up conversations over the last two and a half weeks. That's so funny. So two, so if I get the timelines right, two and a half years ago, you're like, hey, you want to join? And he's like, maybe, nah. And then you guys go and win four Splits back to back, and then, like maybe and then, I should have said yes. Yeah, and then and then you and then you lose, and you're like, "Hey, why join TL?" He's like, "All right, I'm in." Like that's that's kind of how it sounds. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, he had actually proactively come to me. I think it was around that same time period when he was moving over to work on the balance team, and. Uh, and at the same time, we were looking for a head coach. I don't know, for those of you that may remember, we had hired a head coach and Kane was moved from head coach to head strategy coach when we brought on Dennis. Uh, some of you may know him as uh, Internet Hall. And right before the season started, he passed away. And, um, you know, it, it was obviously horrific, uh, but at that time we were looking for a head coach and so it kind of came about again uh these last two three weeks yeah well uh sounds must have been an exciting couple of weeks and uh must have been crazy for jet because i was thinking about this it's like 
you normally when you're at a company like Riot, he's probably been there for I don't know eight years now, and you you have a while you give notice and there's like this whole transition, but it must have just been like, no, no, we need a coach now because I I mean very clearly this must have happened very quickly. It did happen very quickly. So the process was after we had lost on that Sunday against Cloud9, which the guys played their hearts out. And man, I wish they played the same way through the regular season, like all the other games they did that game. Because, man, I was I was more proud of them during that loss than even some of the wins, right? Because it's just the way that they played. But nonetheless, after that happened, then there was just kind of a full diagnosis of, all of the, you know, potential issues and analysis of what went well, what didn't, by talking to all the players and staff to ultimately come to a conclusion on, we really do have some glaring issues that need to be resolved on the coaching side. And uh, at that point, spoke with a number of potential candidates for the head coach position, uh, spoke with Kane and the existing staff. And um, when conversations kind of continued with Jad, I became more and more excited. Um, he was also kind of interviewing with us, right? Like speaking to a number of folks within the, the Liquid Enterprise organization and um, became more and more comfortable with it as we started to kind of see the possibility of this happening. And um, I wanna say it probably took, was it a week and a half, maybe two weeks, something like that after, after the loss before we finalized paperwork. Well, yeah, I mean, it's pretty quickly after as things as things started, I guess. I guess that's just the way things move. Uh, Mark, we haven't even had a chance to talk too much, you and I, about this, and I don't think you've made too many public statements, but what you, very interesting situation for you. Obviously, you work with Jet, and he is doing the opposite move that you made a while ago where you were at, at TL on the coaching side ended up doing broadcast work for Riot. Now Jet leaving the broadcast to join TL. Did you tell him? Did you try to stop him? Did you? Uh... No, uh, Jet and I have made a conscious decision to slowly swap lives. Uh, okay. So that's why you saw me on the analyst desk. Then I took his position on, uh, you know, the dive. I'll be taking JLXP next. Um, and then uh, eventually in 2021, I'm going to announce that I'm Dignitas's new jungler. And gotcha. he's the head coach. Uh, no, I mean, it's a surprise. I don't know. <laughs> it's a surprise. I don't know. It sounded like you were going to say anything else after that. Yeah, I, I was about to, but then nothing came to mind, actually. Uh, <laughs> I haven't talked with him really about it. We obviously talked a lot about coaching over the course of our, like, two and a half years of working a lot together. Um, but I haven't, like, had a... I haven't really bothered trying to be like, hey, so what is your, you know, plan and thoughts and stuff like that? Um, just because, you know, I assume he's pretty inundated right now with things so i'm yeah. sure I'll, I'll have more time to talk with him in the future but right now it's pretty much just you know i heard out i heard a little bit before today that this was probably going down so uh it wasn't shocked to my system this morning when i woke up to it um but it was a uh, you know it was still crazy to see and it was fun to follow the community's reaction and my twitter timeline to all of it what do you think the the fallout on the broadcast side is? Because obviously, like it, the community seems very mixed in that it feels every, everybody loves Jet. Seems like a lot of people are excited for TL, but also a lot of people disappointed that he's leaving the broadcast side. So I don't know. Yeah. Have, you, have you had much talk with them or anything? I don't know. No, I'm a. I am like one step removed from Riot 
generally on like big broadcast decisions. Like I'm not a, a what they call a full time choice or red badge. Yeah, I don't know if that's a public thing. Whatever. Uh, basically, I'm an independent contractor, so I'm a, I'm not a full time employee. And so like I think uh, probably more of the full time staff heard about this. Uh, I'm sure they were told by you know our producers and stuff, but uh, they they didn't loop me in on it. Yeah. Uh, well, I, you know, this is kind of fun. I was going to say, this is probably something worth if a, if a caller wants to come in and talk about, um, because this was a, a sub conversation going on with the announcement was Monty and some of the people chiming in about casters and ceiling or if they're being utilized correctly and stuff like that, which I think is an interesting topic. Oh, you just mean like where, like if you've been casting for eight years, if you've done what? worlds, you know, what's next? Yeah. Right. That's kind of just, that's the pinnacle of casting. So, uh, I'd be interested to, you know, if, if callers find that interesting, I definitely look to feel one of those. Yeah. Well, I mean, we can, we can take calls in a second, but I don't know if you have any questions for Steve. I feel like this might be kind of a fun, Yeah, I, I, I could one. keep asking, but fun, but I feel like you formerly of TL, it's good discussion between the two of you that might be able to happen right now. Yeah, well, I assume that I, I think I know the answer to this, but I have a fun follow-up for it. So first off, did Jat have any say in the double lift move, or was that kind of already happening concurrently with his hiring? Uh, the latter. Yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, he was definitely informed during the interview process. And uh, that was going to be my, my follow-up yeah. question was like, did you hire Jad? And then suddenly he's like, where the fuck is double? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I would have never done that. Um, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, it's tough because as a, somebody that doesn't know everything that's going on, it's tough to understand the information that goes into decision-making. Right. And there has to be a level of trust that, okay. Uh, but I told him, I said, Hey, you know, one once you start talking with all of the current staff that are here at TL, you know Tyler and Dodo and Kane, um, you can feel free to ask any question that you like, you know, and and uh, and we'll answer everything. So I think over time, for him to come to um, his own comfort level on his own accord regarding that, I think was kind of an important part in the process. Because it's obviously a big change. I love the idea of Jack coming in, being like, "Wait, where the hell is Double Lift?" And Broxa being like, "I know, man. I know, right there, <laughs> right there with you." Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, are there? Is this the end of the roster moves? I mean, I don't know if you guys have officially said tactical is there, or if Jack's going to come in and analyze the team, and then perhaps we'll see more changes. I don't know. Yeah, we have some more changes coming, um, not for the uh, main team, but we're still filling out some additional players on our academy roster. Okay, so then that by that logic, it sounds like we should expect tactical, tactical to be starting? For the LCS team, yes. Yes, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, and Ricara will be uh, our starting academy ADC. Gotcha. Mark, any uh, other big questions or topics that we should we should dive into? No, we I think we'll callers? hit most of them through callers, so I'm I'm pretty ready to get into it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So Mark is going to start lining up the callers. Mark, you want to? I'll I'll give the spiel since you're pulling people. If you're first time here watching live, 
uh, join the Discord. You can just do exclamation mark Discord in the chat. It'll give you a link to it. Uh, if you are a sub, you can, you, well, first off, if you are not a sub, just look for the Pleb Topics channel and you can put your topic in there. If you are a sub, first off, thank you for being a sub. Uh, you can do that for free with Twitch Prime. Um, and uh, make sure you're synced to Discord so you can see the subtopics chat where you can put your, your take in there and it moves a little slower so you have a bit of a better chance of getting noticed uh, that way. And then Mark will put you in the waiting room. Uh, make sure that you don't have your speakers muted when you're in there. And uh, Mark will go in there, do a mic test, and pull you into the channel, which is what he's doing right now. Looks like we've already pulled uh, some folks. A lot of interesting uh, th takes to have on the show tonight, I am sure. Looking forward to uh, getting into those as soon as Mark comes back with our <laughs> first caller. We're just filling time. By the way, thank you to those that subbed recently. Uh, Fragbite Light, Kylo Zen, uh, Blank27, Kristen to Nanuko111 for 18 months, Whistle, whistle Bridges, and Pabelling. Uh, looks like we've got Mark. Oh, for a second, I thought he was there. Ferber2. Chewy777, then we got five gifted subs from Chrome Desolator and ten from Evan Crux. So thank you to all the people who subbed. Oh, and then Genuine Walrus just now. Thank you for that. Waiting for uh, Mark. Oh, there we go. I'm Mark back. is back with Turkleton. Turkleton, where are you calling from? I am calling from Temple, Texas. Turkleton from Temple, Texas. Um, what Welcome. do you what do you want, what do you want to talk about on the show? Um, I wanted to talk about uh, obviously Jat's uh, tra uh, transfer to TL, yep. and how um, it's actually a good move for a bunch of reasons. But a big part of it is like to get um, attack the sentiment that he cannot be a coach because he's like already an acquaintance with players. Like they won't like treat him right. He wouldn't be able to command a presence in the room, guide conversations. And I think that's just like an insult to TL players and to all of Jat's experience and how long he's been in the scene and how he's been in the scene. Can, is this a sentiment that you've seen in Reddit threads or uh, where do you think this criticism is coming from? Or is it just one that you think people might be thinking? Uh, it's mostly come from when, when I was talking to one of my friends about it. He, he, he as, as soon as he saw it, he was like, there's no way you can command all these veterans. Like this just isn't Jat's personality, which I think if you look at his... Um, career as a caster like i don't see how you could see that like whenever he talks about the game it's much different than every other caster like like i'm not downing like other casters like for example captain flowers it's not like he brought captain flowers in to be a coach of a team obviously a captain flowers has his own place as as a caster i don't think even captain flowers it. would defend him so <laughs> as yeah, exactly. trying to be a coach he's too captain easy. flowers very inspirational all right i, I that's true he'd be a great psycho sports psychologist to show up and give you a halftime okay speech. but so okay let's just take to, to to narrow the focus though of the call mm -hmm. it sounds like your your take is that jet given his position in the industry and his time should be able to manage even a team of opinionated veterans like we may see on tl yeah and even that like thought that they're opinionated veterans it's like if that's really who they are then what are they doing on our team honestly i like, mean i think a lot of veterans are opinion i mean i think it's okay to be an opinionated veteran right? pretty opinionated there's not too many who don't have pretty strong opinions yeah well i guess there's a difference between it being opinionated and being like uh like not being able to listen to someone defensive else. or something gotcha, yeah yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, from my perspective, being involved in League of Legends for now, I guess, 10 years or so, I think some of the early coaching methodologies were centered around the coach knows best and mm -hmm. will teach the players uh, mm -hmm. the way to play the game, almost as if they didn't understand the best way to play themselves. Mm -hmm. And it was just kind of this lecture format, uh, mm -hmm. teacher-student. But I think the, the, the way coaching has evolved is that these players, they all have their respective opinions and thoughts about the game. Mm -hmm. And it's about being able to extract that from them and kind of show them, this is what you said. This is it, it, through rational questioning and, and, and uh, memory of what they said previously, and then come and bring everybody together to understand the game the same way and play the same way and be on the same page. And so from my perspective, one of the things that Jet or Josh embodies is his ability to communicate effectively. Mm -hmm. He's a great communicator. He, I, I've been calling this uh, like the Socratic method. You know, he, he he likes to kind of question and dig and find the root cause of <laughs> something and and figure that out. And so I think that lends itself really well to uh, more experienced players because they can hold a conversation about why we're doing something. Why is this rotation going here? Why is this band pick? Or what's the strength and weaknesses of, of this particular comp? It's almost like, you know, he's teaching by questioning. And, mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's one piece of it, but also he's got a great team with Kane and Dodo and, and the other staff and Chris that will, uh, he needs to get the most out of them too. So uh, this is, kind of a real proper head coach role where you have kind of these like strategy coaches and positional coaches that work part of a larger coaching structure that would maybe more closely mimic some of the things that you've seen in other professional sports. And uh, we, we have a, a caller coming up that's going to, I think, I think he has uh, some points around like the, the larger coaching uh, staff question, I think as well. So we'll all I'll avoid chiming too much in on that, but at least in terms of working with players and stuff, like it seems like TL has a pretty professional environment and Jet, for my time working with him does extremely well in those kinds of environments. I haven't seen him in a dysfunctional one because Riot's not really like that. Um, so I know- Are, are you sure, Mark? Uh, Voidboy released a video that makes me definitely feel like sometimes Riot's- No, that's, that's not the broadcast. Oh, good point, good point. The broadcast team are all saints. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, but- you know, teams can become dysfunctional, like I assume happened last split a little bit with Team Liquid. Uh, and so I haven't seen him in one of those, you know, environments where this happens, where you're no longer trying to meet in the middle ground. I feel like whenever I'm at Riot, the people I'm arguing with who might not have the same opinion as me, at least ultimately we want the same thing in the end. Uh, where, and there's never bad blood. There's sometimes bad blood in these kinds of environments. So, you know, that's that's going to be a new dynamic that, he hasn't tackled in a while. He's a former pro player, so he's clearly been through this kind of crap before. So uh, I think in that, it could be a little different, but it's also a fresh start for the team and I think a, a good situation. Steve, do you, uh, you know, I don't know if some people know this, but a lot of like for engineering jobs, for instance, they give you like some work or tests or whatever to see how you solve things or whatever. I don't know if you did this, but I feel like a great coaching test for TL would be, all right, watch this video. It's called Breaking Point. <laughs> and then we want you to give us your thoughts on what you're seeing and how you would do things differently. 
<laughs> that is actually probably a great exercise if we need to hire any other coaches in other games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, yeah, there's, there, there's a lot of things you could point. You could write an entire book on <laughs> the things that should have been yeah. def, done differently. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. breaking point. But so, so it sounds like, I mean, we're mostly in agreement on on chat's ability to navigate all this stuff. I mean, what's interesting to me is I'm fascinated to find out what the next year of Jet's time with TL will look like because a lot of people forget that he was previously on a team. And, uh, you know, as, as the Dignitast jungler, as Mark referenced at the start, uh, but I got to imagine teams have changed dramatically since then. I mean, back then, I feel like pro players had far less egos. And uh, and now they're like, hey, my Grubhub is late by 20 minutes. My manager should get fired. And and, uh, and so I just I feel like there are different expectations now. So so we'll see. But any any other thoughts, Turkleton? Um, I also think that like they needed to be another change other than the double lift thing. I think Jap brings it just a, a really fresh face and um and then needed another change due to last split, but and I and I hope it works out. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well thank you so much Turkleton. Any shout outs before we move on to our next caller? Um I, I'd like to shout out my friend who thinks it's a bad move. Um <laughs> he go. told me to come on here. It worked. Yeah. Fantastic. What's your what's your friend's name? Because if this doesn't work out and TL finishes ninth again, we absolutely need him to call in. Um, if he joins, it's probably be under the name Neckbeard, but we'll see. Great, great <laughs> name. Fantastic. I'm thrilled. All right. It is Catch you later. All right. Thank you. I love I love that somebody was like, "Oh, you disagree with me? You should go on Hotline League and settle this uh, for us." I think that that's good. All right. A uh, couple more shout outs. We got. Uh, Rest WYZ and Quiet Pirate. And our next caller is here, Ghost Han. Where are you calling Hello. from? Hello. I'm so calling good. from uh, New York City. New York City. I hope things are going okay there. I know it's been spooky. Um, Been ordering a lot of takeout from local yeah. businesses. That's <laughs> basically well, all Stay I'm safe. Doing. <laughs> uh, what, do you, what do you want to talk about on the show? So... Basically, I wanted to talk about how I think uh, Team Liquid getting Jack Jat uh, could pose some power struggle issues uh, in regards to how coaching is going, because there's a lot of uh, powerful voices in the room, like Kane, Dodo, and of course all the players. So I think he could have an issue where he could get drowned out, uh, or he could not get something across that he wants to get across, specifically in maybe drafts or strats or, you know, that type of stuff. Well, and this was going to be, I'm glad that Mark prefaced that we had a coach call because I hadn't really thought about it until that last call. But if I'm Kane and Jack comes in and is like, yo, you're doing this wrong. You should do it this way. Kane probably sits there, looks over at the four trophies on the shelf and goes, "Exactly." Ah, so uh, are you sure about that? I don't. I know, I know that maybe that was your opinion on the analyst desk six months ago, but I mean, Steve, have you had that conversation? I, I don't know, obviously somewhat private, but uh, are, how confident are you that you'll be able to sort of navigate the interesting situation there? Yeah, I mean, I think um, Ghost brings up a really solid point and something that was a um, consideration for me during the process. And that's why it was important for me to have a conversation with Kane. Cause you can imagine, right? Like 
I'm talking about Kane's strengths and weaknesses and how he brings those best to bear for the team's performance. And my opinion may vary different or may vary from his, right? Uh, but he was fantastic. He was awesome. You know, when we talked about this, he very quickly made a decision that, yeah, of course, you know, if, if somebody's going to come in and embody the things that I currently have as weaknesses, absolutely. Because I care about the team winning and that attitude is very hard to find. You know, that is a very mature, self-aware person that is coming to an understanding that the team's performance is greater than their own kind of individual merit or like, you know, the, 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 the title of, of head coach. Right. And so when that conversation went extremely well, then it, it was also important that we identify the roles and responsibilities within each of this very big team now. Right. Like, yeah, it's great to throw a bunch of people at coaching, but who's going to do what? Where are those lines? Who's responsible? Who Who's the ultimate decision maker on these tasks that are happening on a day-to-day -day scrim basis or on game day and band pick and um, how we practice and all, all these things. So it was important for them to start to list those out. So we tackled it in a very kind of uh, methodical way. We have a master spreadsheet with every task that you could imagine that the team may do. And we've talked about all the different kind of permutations of what we would do in these certain situations. And by going into it with eyes wide open and other and anticipate some of the problems, hopefully it reduces or mitigates some of the risk associated with the things. I think, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, because I, I do think that that is a, a, an, a, a very valid concern. And, um, and there may be situations where there may be conversations about, do we do this or do we do that and disagreements? It's how you get through them. Um, and from my perspective, it's about how the, the coaching team functions. If it was a team, you know, what, what's, what's the synergy there and how well and effective does it make decisions as a group, uh, with Jat as the head coach. Yeah. And I think, um, given that he doesn't have like, you know, and I think he, he has in his mind a system and things, but he hasn't like implemented one before. I think having a larger coaching staff already in place in some regard can maybe help actually more than hurt. I understand your points goes on about, especially given that it involves a demotion a little bit. I don't know what term you'd prefer to use Steve, but like with moving Kane from head coach to strategic, you know, uh, that can maybe make it a little awkward about stepping on toes and whatnot, but at least he's not a completely fresh hire into an empty organization. And he's like supposed to fill it out and already find his analysts, find his assistant coaches, find his positional coaches, find his scouts. Like, you know, in some sense, he's stepping into a relatively functional team already. And I think in that sense, there might be a little bit less asked for him. Yes. You run into the potential too many cooks type situation, but I think um, having more structure already in place given that it's his first coaching position since i mean in forever i guess uh that this probably does actually help more than it hurts i would reckon yeah do you do you think he would have like a lot of pressure on him though to succeed like two bad games let's say and everyone's calling for his head already like is is that like what do you think he'll do to like well, counteract I'm, I'm calling that for him to get, as soon as he loses one draft i'm gonna say he should be fired <laughs> <laughs> 
you've got to have some thick skin to, to do, yeah. do it well. That's just kind of a, you know, a quality. Um, and the, the time frame that, and actually Josh and I spoke about this, you know, it's like, there's going to be some missteps. There's going to be some mistakes, but we're in this for the long haul. And it's about how you grow and develop some more crystallized knowledge when it comes to coaching that you currently don't have through experience that you'll add on and really just lean into the pre-existing knowledge of the big team under you. Right. Like, uh, so I, I, I expect there's going to be some, some bad drafts or some issues, but that's, that's okay. Like, um, we're looking forward to next year and the year after, um, in the relationship that we've established with him. I think what is very interesting to me is that this is a little, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the Papa Smithy situation, but at, like, I remember whenever he was first coming in, I said, well, this could be really interesting because as a caster, you gain a lot of credibility, but you never really have to put your, you know, uh, I don't know, com hard commit to what it is that you're saying. And now you're actually graded on, on results in a sense. And I think, you know, it worked out pretty well for Papa Smithy, but also there was a level of distance between him and the results of the team as the general manager. Whereas with Jet, the amount of times that, I mean, I'm glad that you called out the, the draft because the amount of times that like a draft happens, somebody disagrees with it and it just like people hard flame the coaches on Reddit or Twitter or wherever else for that specific draft. It'll be really interesting to see how that plays out. And like, what's, what is, I think a little risky, much like I said for Papa Smithy is Jet is putting a lot of his reputation on the line with this move, because I think he was basically beloved by the community and if, and has a ton of credibility. And if the team struggles a ton in, in the split and the drafts are questionable or whatever, I feel like people will start to call into question the, the credibility they had for him previously. So it'll be really, I like, I think this is going to be really fascinating over the course of the split as like a sideline observer. Yeah. And I think, uh, echoing that point about Papa Smithy a little bit when Papa got his job and I'll say the same thing about Jack, like, they have a lot of great characteristics about them and and their skill set and their traits and like these things that make them look like really good candidates. But you also never know what's going to happen until you get act you actually get in there. And like, what makes a good analyst for a public facing broadcast is not always the same thing that makes a great coach. In the same way, it doesn't make a great GM. And I think Papa did a really great job. He exceeded my expectations. Um, you know, they had a great first split under him, and especially for a GM position, it's about long term building a successful organization. Um, so I think interestingly, because Papa joined a team that needed more things to happen, like finding a coach and all these players, we actually got to see a lot of Papa come through, even if it wasn't on a day-to-day -day level, uh, for what drafts were happening and crap like that. You saw him build a good first split. It's kind of the opposite with Jet. Yeah, he hasn't have to have to build anything, but we get to see his drafts and how the team comes together and stuff like that right away. So, uh, I don't know. Those were some random thoughts that didn't actually connect at all. I mean, it's well, no, like... The, the transition like from like i guess kane style to jat style could be very interesting as shown like the how the players play i guess and how the draft goes like how it flows into think, one another 
Uh, I mean, Jat even said this in the video that Steve and Team Liquid put out a little bit about how much community probably overfocuses on draft as an indicator of coaching. Um, He's already so hedging many... himself. He's like, Me listen, guys. Jat? No, Jat. I was... uh, <laughs> Jat. Jat's like, listen, people pay too much attention to the draft, okay? Just ignore Kane's the... still the strategic coach. We definitely still flame him for the draft. <laughs> Yeah. It just remember it's the strategic coach who makes most of those decisions. I don't want to step on any toes here. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, you know, how the team is playing and how they're interacting and growing as a five-man squad are much more indicative of good coaching than just drafts. So it's less public facing, and I think that's why the community latches on to drafts, but that's definitely not like what anyone should look to as the first barometer of coaching. Yeah. I think the players seem pretty excited. Like I, I saw like Brox's statement on it. So I, I think it's going to be a change that will reinvigorate the team in a, in a really interesting and fun way that I'm excited to see how it plays out in the summer split. Well, speaking of draft, you know, I obviously I don't know if we're going to, we probably won't be starting on stage in June, but as the head coach, Steve, would, would Jat be the one on stage, like with the, the notebook walking back and forth? Yeah, I mean, um, I definitely see uh, both him and and Kane on stage uh, uh, during the the band pick process, the draft. I I think um, I don't want to jump to. I mean, I, I think that's the way that it will work. I mean, I I almost don't want to jump to any conclusions until there's a real marriage of the current coaching staff and they all figure that out and what's most optimal and why. So. To the caller's point, though, I think, um, you know, Kane delivered some very great drafts during his time and fumbled a bit, too, you know, at times. Um, and it's interesting, like the draft process, a lot of people think that it's as easy as the coach deciding, OK, you're going to play this and, and, and not this. But you have to factor in players' opinions, their comfort level on certain champions what they think is strong or weak and you uh it comes to fruition throughout the week of if a player's comfortable or not comfortable in a certain matchup and yeah and if it's a matchup that they should be comfortable on but they're not you have to like Ugh. provide the right education and resources to get them comfortable with it because you may know more than what they currently know. Well, yeah. like, even like, I'm just reading Twitch chat right now. People be like, but but reading the meta is super important, Mark. And it's like, okay, well, maybe LeBlanc Lissandra is a typically fine matchup, but I'm playing against fucking rookie man. I don't want to give him LeBlanc, you know? Like, these kinds of things are very, very important. But like, the fucking months of work that you put in to get to the point where you need to make that decision of if I'm banning, you know, LeBlanc or not versus rookie, it's like, that's, that's after months, like literal months in thousands of hours of work to get to that point which is why when we say draft is not the best way to judge a coach it's because that's like one hundredth of of the work that they have done it's much so, like oh go ahead no i'm just saying like when chat is always like oh but but draft and meta reading is important it's like so is making your players not want to bite each other's head off and giving them goals to work towards and like all the other things that go into being a professional player it's much like when the guest and twitch chat both flame your usage of skype and you're like, for years I've been producing these shows that I feel like I know what is the right technology to make it happen. Yeah, trust the professionals. Like, you know, you don't want to go to a doctor and the doctor doesn't have any type of medical degree. Why are you even there? 
Yeah. Well, either way, uh, Ghost Hunt. Skype or Zoom? Ghost I mean, Hunt, they... Zoom or VMix? Zoom is a. We, I care about security. Hey, uh, Ghost, thank you for the call. Anything that you no want to say here at the end? Yeah. Uh, hey, New Yorkers, stay inside. Please, just Very stay good. inside. All right. Thanks, guys. Stay safe. Yeah, you too. You. Have a good one. All right. We got uh, some more callers to go. Couple more shout outs. We got uh Suck gave a joke or gave a sub to Llama Borg. Uh Griffer G, Fretful Winter, Ferber two gifted a sub to Steve, who's now been a sub for twenty four months. And Riri Kiri for fourteen months. Looks like Warden is here. Warden, where are you calling from? Downey, California. Downey, California. Oh, we've had you on before, right? Yeah, last week. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mark just he pulls the same people. You know, it's just just like what my YouTube comments hey, say. People with good takes have good takes. What do you Always want me to say? Always the same people. Uh, no, I'm just kidding, Warren. Welcome to. Or good to have you back. What do you want to talk about on the show this week? Um, that owners um, are more important for branding and like having a personality than players for the long term growth of a team. Owners or coaches? Well, like public faces, people that were going to stay with the team for a long time, since players usually only stay with the team for like one or two years. Gotcha. Can you give me an example of a pro player who was recently the face of an organization is no longer at that organization? That but you luckily that about? that organization also had a uh, public facing part of management that had been there since the very beginning. Can you give an example? Double for Team Liquid. Oh, oh, oh I hadn't God. thought about that. That was yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. <laughs> All right. Well, do you want to expand on obviously an example, but is there, you want to expand on your thought at all? Um, I think the biggest example of this is CLG. Um, after franchising hotshot kind of like disappeared and then they lost double lift and all these big players and stopped winning. And then I think that all compiled. And now I think for popularity, I would rate them like fifth or sixth. And like these new teams, like hundred thieves who have like big, big names like nature and Papa Smithy are probably more popular than them currently. Steve, actually, okay, Steve, we had, Mark and I had this discussion, I think, maybe like five or six weeks ago on the show, where somebody called in and they said, TL will replace Doublelift with Sneaky. And Mark and I then had a discussion about whether or not, I, I said, you know, who knows if Doublelift is going to leave or not, but... I, I felt like the sneaky thing in some part made sense if you felt like tactical and sneaky were of the same level because sneaky brings a like pretty big brand to the organization and you're losing double lift in that scenario. And so having him come in would be good. Here's a situation where you guys have lo lost uh, double lift. He's no longer with the team. He's over at TSM or you traded him, whatever you want to say. And now, you know, obviously you're staying tactical, but you've made huge waves like TL has basically been the only interesting thing happening or the biggest talk of the town in the off season because you, you trade a double if, but then you immediately follow it up by bringing like one of the biggest faces of Western broadcast on as your coach. So I'm really curious, do you consider sponsorship branding anything at all whenever you're going into these types of decisions? Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. I think uh, you have to figure out what kind of club you want to be. What kind of team do you want to be? Uh, I think there's history examples of other professional sports teams that have come to this predicament. You have a very notable athlete or player that garners sponsorship revenue, fan engagement and loyalty, 
um, which drives traffic and engagement on any kind of platforms that you're producing content. And that is worth a considerable amount, right? There, that, that, is, that is something that could be defined. And then there's the question of what about rookie players or going for winning at all costs, right? And that unwavering commitment to winning, irrespective of the brand value associated with one particular athlete. And in some of those examples, you see all sorts of creative solutions come about in order to retain said player, equity, um, uh, 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 retirement plans and compensation, um, and, and, and you find a way, right? For us, we've decided that we're the type of organization where winning is paramount. It is undeniably the most important thing to our organization, not just for our League of Legends team, but across the board. And our commitment to that is unwavering, period. And so I will deal with whatever kind of financial impact or brand impact may be caused because of a particular player. But I believe much more in the multi-generational fandom ship to Team Liquid, which is generated by winning because winning increases your relevancy. It means you're at the finals where most viewers are gonna be watching anyway, right? Not all the regular season matches. And so for me, it's um, it's about creating a brand with values and uh, and, and that, that's, that's more valuable than, than the brand of one respective player. And, and I think if other teams did a better job of creating brands, and, you know, you probably see more folks want to follow an organization because of its values of what they do for the community rather than just for player A, B, or C. Uh, would you so say, would you say, by the way, that thinking about the organization, your kind of philosophy is just that when you're chasing greatness, it's not about what you say, it's about what you do. <laughs> Bringing it back to the caller a little bit. Um... <laughs> you made a, a point more about you know brand identity and even a face to that brand beyond the players um to your point steve about being winning uh, being the team's brand you're also team liquid's brand like you're the guy in front of every interview you're the one coming on these shows you know you you are in some sense also the face of, of team liquid um and so is this something that you feel like you i mean i know you enjoy some of the antics for cameras and stuff like that but like is this something that you guys consciously do about like I, I i'm the guy to be in this video to be doing this stuff because to the caller's point having a face that's stuck around if i'm a, if i like you and how you seem to do business and stuff i'm a more likely to stay a fan of you when double with leaves and things like that mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think um i'm in a part of that role by being in League of Legends and being a pro player and so involved in the community. And so uh, being in part a spokesperson for Team Liquid and how we operate, like, great. But, you know, I think, I think that creating a brand with meaning trumps me even, right? Like I'm just a, a voice of something much more important that would hopefully continue if I wasn't around. And, um, and we'll get there. And I think organizations need to do a better job of that. But, you know, yeah, I, I you know, I, I got a ton of things to do, 
one of them that I love is League of Legends. Like I fucking love it. I just I fucking love it. I love the off season. I I love strategizing. I I you know I play League of Legends like three four times a week. You know it's just it's just something I love. So I'm gonna keep doing it. You know as long as I can. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know if we have too many other follow ups, but it, it kind of you know I think we we touched on sort of the philosophy there, Warden. Any other thoughts? about it that's about it you think yeah uh, any anything you want to say before we move on to the next caller um just want to shout out steve for taking out the competition competition glxp is gone yeah exactly <laughs> that was what mark's response was i think when or no somebody somebody else messaged me that um oh it was david over at alien where he was like oh by the way uh look look steve's doing you a favor you you know you got less competition it's fantastic uh, thanks, thanks so much, Warden, uh, for the call. Have a good one. All right. Uh, actually, let's take a quick break before we move on to our next caller. Just speaking of Alienware, talk about Alienware. I've got two. It's kind of dark in here, but I've got two Alienware monitors that just showed up uh, today right next to me. Play some Valorant on these high refresh rate monitors. But also, uh, we are still doing our giveaway right now of Hextech Chess, and I confirmed that they could drop a key. So it's a Hextech chest and a key right now. If you have not signed up for Alienware Arena and you are in the US, uh, go to alienwarearena.com slash Travis. I put that link in the Twitch chat. We'll have it in the YouTube description as well. And you can sign up for Alienware Arena. And once you do, by the way, that helps me out. Uh, even if maybe maybe you don't care about the Hextech chest, do it because it helps me. All right, that's all I'm saying. But uh, we're still giving out those and you can get a chest and a key uh, it works automatically. Just whatever is in the chest is yours once you uh, you get it. And that's for U.S., maybe North America, but at the very least U.S. subscribers. Maybe if you're in Canada, give it a try and let me know if it worked or not. Um, so you can go check that out over at alienwarearena.com slash Travis. And then check out uh, alienware.com slash Travis. Two different URLs. One of them has Arena in it. One of them doesn't. We've got some, uh, we, we have some products up on the site that we can highlight. Let's see if XSplit lets me load the page. Okay. Oh, it's just a big video of me. Um, there's some products up on the site that you can, uh, you can check out. And it also includes my code, which is Travis 10 off. You can save 10% on your order. And by the way, whenever you're, you know, right now you're, maybe you want to go get some big mean machine that will, uh, stream Valorant, uh, or play Valorant at high resolutions like this area 51 M or this, uh, Alienware Aurora, you want to get a great monitor 10%. That's a significant amount off. So be sure to use that check, uh, that code when you check out. And we thank Alienware so much for everything that they do, especially, I mean, right now I gotta be honest guys, like there's just less work out there for uh, for some of us, some of us content creators, some of these opportunities maybe falling through. And so I really appreciate Alienware sticking around, making sure that I don't get Kobe and I evicted. Anyway, uh, Mark is still AFK. So I will just fill for time with Steve while we wait for Mark to come back. How are you? How are you doing in quarantine? I'm doing okay. Um, I I think I'm now at the point where obviously, like, I want people to be able to go back to work um, safely as long as everything, you know, as long as it's a good idea for people to do that. I'm not trying to make light of the the terrible situation we find ourselves in. However, I will say that I've gotten there's now like a point where it's like I got used to not having a ton of social interactivity, and now I'm like kind of okay just staying at home and playing video games a lot uh and so i'm working through final fantasy 7 
playing like a ton of Valorant and Runeterra and TFT. Uh, and how's, how's your Valorant run going? Are you terrible? I'm so you, bad at are FPS. You playing ranked? Are you playing ranked? Are you uh, I've played a couple. I haven't finished. I'm worried because I know a lot of people who I think are really good and they're getting placed in like bronze. And so I am really worried about what that means for my standing. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm very curious uh, what ends up happening. And by curious, I mean terrified. But I'm also <laughs> really enjoying Runeterra. Have you played any Runeterra? I played it during the initial beta, but I yeah. didn't pick it back up once it officially launched. Their mobile app is actually really good. I actually like the mobile experience a lot more than Hearthstone, and that's out now. So, And I like a lot of the new cards as well. So I actually feel like if people tried it before, they might want to go back yeah. and try it again. What is up we with noticed, Mark? We noticed a, a increase in viewership. Um, just over, I guess they must have patched it. Or, or Yeah, they, I mean, they also were doing, there's a little bit of an asterisk on that because they were paying some stream, like Hafu was streaming it with ad in her her title. And I think Beckett, like some of the TFT and Hearthstone streamers were streaming it mm -hmm. um, as part of a, a paid thing through Riot. So I, that might be some of the viewership uptick that you're seeing. But I, I mean, I'd like it to succeed because I like card games like that. And I feel like their business model is pretty good and a lot better than Hearthstone. So welcome back, Mark. Oh, you're muted, I think. Oh, he's not in the channel. He went to go grab somebody. Okay. Um, but yes, I, I, I eventually turned out of Hearthstone cause I got tired of spending 60 bucks every 60 to a hundred bucks every, uh, like couple of months. And I really like that Runeterra has a, a much more friendly model. So are we, sorry, I was took a minute. Are we ready? Yeah, yeah. Go, 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 go grab him. Okay. He's ready. He okay, how's it going? Okay. GD nerd. Welcome to the show. Where are you calling from? Uh, Santa Clara, California. Santa Clara. Okay. What do you want to talk about on the show? So I kind of want to talk about the hot button issue, which is kind of poaching, um, and more in general, the concept of poaching and trade windows where players don't ever really seem to hit the free agency market. They just kind of go straight to other teams. Um, and so in general, I feel like a lot of Riot's rules around trades are kind of not functional. Okay. Can you elaborate a bit more? Well, in general, it kind of feels like their poaching rules uh, are don't be stupid because it really seems like you can bypass everything. I, I mean, there's been tons of jokes about perks and uh, his pool party or whatever the hell it was that Thorne kept on referring to with the whole caps trade. Um, there's been a lot of drama around the whole double lift trade to TSM right now, but it feels like you can't ever catch anyone doing this if they were doing it so why really even bother so you're saying don't have poaching rules because you can't catch anybody anyway yeah interesting an interesting take uh i would throw to mark first mark, mark. really we got another gm on here i wouldn't mind your owner i wouldn't mind hearing their thoughts yeah on... <laughs> I'll, I'll give steve a, a chance to think about it but uh okay you want to see, see yeah no, I mean, I, I can I can provide my thoughts. Um, so I haven't watched, uh, I watched part of one of the Thorn videos, but it was three hours long. So <laughs> I, I got through about 30 minutes. And I was Do like, I want to watch Lord of the Rings or a <laughs> British guy? So I, I, I will say I'm not, I'm not coming from a, a, a fully informed uh, on, on everything that the, the caller mentioned, but that being said, I will share some of my thoughts regarding tampering and poaching. 
which is that first understanding the definition between the two tampering means that you're uh, uh, you're you're you actually didn't successfully make a player move to another team, right? It was just a tampering violation poaching. It effectively ended up happening, right? And so in those scenarios, I think it's important for the league to have rules associated with what is defined as both tampering and poaching. And I think the league should reserve its right over the teams and players to uh, follow through with any kind of investigation to any degree that they'd like in order to ascertain whether there was a poaching or tampering violation. And I think that the legal structure associated with the LCS agreements, as well as some of the things that we pass down and are signed by the players, that the league has that ability. And from my experience in working with Greeley on everything that happened with the Echo Fox disaster um (laughs) (laughs) like how that's complicated okay and to go through and probably look at emails and text messages and have phone calls and ask for their message and like go so deep to come to whatever the proper conclusions are in order to protect the competitive integrity of the league is paramount and i think chris does a really fucking good job at it He's an attorney, and um, I guess he puts on his litigator hat in some some cases, you know. And I think he's smart, and uh, and you know, I think if if there's bad actors in any league that globally where there's tampering and poaching, then you know that it, it it should be um, followed through with and investigated and and looked into. So. I mean, this is a challenge in traditional sports too, because, and I mean, I feel like in esports it could even be more of a challenge because it's not like all these pro players are kind of friends with each other, right? They all hang out on Discord, and I think a lot of people tend to think of tampering and poaching in terms of, hey, did an owner reach out to a player on the other team? But I feel like oftentimes it's just as simple as like two friends are playing solo queue together. And they say, oh man, dude, our jungler sucks or our top laner sucks or our mid laner sucks. Wouldn't it be sweet if we played together? Yeah, wouldn't it be sweet? Oh man, look how great it is that we're doing together. And I feel like that's one of the the situations where it becomes really impossible to track and trace. I think, like, I haven't said too much about the the double of Lena situation, but like, that is an incredible, how could you ever, like, anybody who... Like, I don't know what happened. I'm not saying one thing or other. Let's just te- separate it for a second and look from the outside. People are like, right, should do an investigation, right? Shouldn't do an investigation, whatever. Like, the investigation came up with nothing. In what world would that investigation ever have come up with anything? They're, like, living <laughs> together. You know what I mean? It was just a very strange for me. Bug their house. What do you mean? The whole, the whole concept yeah, so that, of it. That's kind of what precipitated this question for me was, like, if Riot didn't step in while Doublelift was on TL while dating the president of another org, then, like, why bother having tampering rules at all? Because that's, like, it's insane. And I'm coming from this as a TSM fan, but, like, why why would Riot not make a huge public stink about that? Because, like, that's crazy. People are going to get upset over that, even if there is nothing. There's, like, an appearance of it. I think uh, this is a, a similar argument or some of these lines of logic are similar to like 
you can't stop every wrong thing in the world. So why bother stopping is how a lot of these kind of feel, you know, like these conversations that they could be having as they're falling asleep at night, you know, like no one's going to catch that shit. Maybe that's when they're talking about it. Maybe that's when the, you know, quote unquote tampering is happening. Does that mean you stop checking Skype logs about trades and stuff? No, I think you still have to do those. Um, you can be, maybe be more strict and just set up general guidelines. Like you can't have relationships with people on separate organizations, but that doesn't even like what, what defines a relationship? Like what about friendships? You know, like what if they were just talking at a party, they weren't dating these same I mean, in traditional sports. They do have rules. I mean, this, th- I, I am fascinated well, about this as yeah, an observer I, on the sideline because in traditional sports, they do have those rules around relationships or whatever. So, right. My, my point was not that you shouldn't talk about having them. My point was even when you put those in place, there's always another situation that it won't cover just friends talking, you know, in the NBA, fucking the guys put, go training camps together. They work out together. And next thing you know, the three guys who were all, you know, at a training camp together in the off season are suddenly all on the same team and shit like that happens yeah. all the time. And suddenly like, two can't... teams are at a Jimmy John's and they're talking about, how the finals doesn't matter and they decide to just a ram it you know it's like you never know what could happen my point is like you can't stop every situation but that doesn't mean you shouldn't try to not stop them is i guess my point how far you want to go on that spectrum of what is enforceable and legal and all those things is is up to the in my opinion the owners to work with the org of all things to figure out um because they're the ones who all are going to have to play by the same rules I mean, Steve, do you, do you agree? I mean, so the premise, I feel like that Mark is kind of hitting, which is the shit's going to happen, but you should do your best to make, try to, to prevent it. Is that kind of how you see it? Like these things will happen. It's difficult to stop entirely, but you do your best. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, irrespective of the government, the governance associated with ensuring compliance on either poaching or tampering happening doesn't change writing of the rules and the investigation that needs to happen. That's just going to be the case. And if there was a violation and it's completely unproven, then it just, it is what it is. Right. But hopefully you surround your, you, you, the, 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 the participants that are in the league are acting in good faith. There there's good, management there's good training and these issues don't happen Um, but unfortunately like the possibility is always going to be there because there's no way to 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 manage it that closely it's impossible right um so i i agree with that in the double lift uh specific case in our contract with peter we could have sent him into any team we had full rights without his approval to go to any team. And so, you know, like uh, even that would have been something that would have prevented him, if in that situation, from it ever happening. He doesn't have control, right? So um, sometimes you can have different things set up to, to help curb some of these things. But you know, I, I agree that it is is an issue, and you know, I, I just hope the league and all these situations they do the best job that they can in order to run an investigation. And you have to uh, trust that process. 
one i don't want to ask specifics but in general do you feel like the league has stringent enough policies around tampering and poaching and these kinds of things or do you think maybe there should be another look at the rules and and what what you know is in the rule book right now yeah i mean i i don't know the rules close enough to be honest to answer what what that is um i don't think i've ever read the rule book front to back uh, to be honest yeah like it's a quick piggyback question on that uh th there's been a lot of like talk and perception about trade windows that a lot of teams are kind of ignoring the window rules and lining stuff up before like they're actually supposed to be doing stuff um and i guess that was kind of part and parcel of what i originally wrote oh yeah no, that's a good point so so during off seasons you know, there's a trade window coming up, Steve, and usually before the trade window hits, uh, especially the off season, uh, people like myself, Mark, others, like you, you, you already have like this player's going to this team, this player's going to this team, this player's going to this team. Even in the situation with Peter, we'd heard that he was headed to TSM before the trade window officially opened. So, is that a, a concern? Is that behavior that should be mitigated? That these types of conversations shouldn't occur until like, okay, now you can start trades. Now you can start talking. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think the organization that currently holds the contract with a player should have the right to extend that player while they're currently under contract. And if that organization also has that contract and wants to give permission to another team to speak with that player for the best interest of their career, then I think that's okay too. Um, I don't think that players should be prevented to talk to other teams while still under contract with the organization because of free agency window. Like if, if, a, if a player wants to go to another team, then you can give permission to that player to talk to that organization before the, the, the trade window. Um, I think that's, acting in the best interest of the player i think that's a good point uh kind of going back to what i said a little bit about as long as everyone's playing by the same rules it it's fine in my eyes um sure you can make it so that no one's allowed to talk to any player until free agency happens and you know steve gets if he if he has the player's contract prior to free agency he gets first dibs at renegotiating that's how a lot of traditional sports work um but if through steve they can request to speak to the player and Steve is not, you know, hand selecting which teams can and can't speak to him. I mean, I don't see any harm in it necessarily because the player is just getting these offers earlier and can make hopefully a better informed decision and stuff like that. I think the uh, rules say right now that you can hand select who gets to speak to the player, though. You could well, say saying, you can talk to them and you can. Yeah, he, they, they can. But I think Steve's point was he's not doing. I mean, this is what Steve talked about a little bit. We're saying people are working in good faith. I think. You know, if a person is not doing that and not forwarding all their, you know, messages that like, hey, this team was interested in you to a player, then that's a pretty shitty situation. Uh, and I mean, maybe that's why you need stricter rules or whatnot. But um, like I said, as long as everyone is good faith actors, whatever you want to call it, like these rules should ultimately be fine and work well for everyone. And when that window of when people are allowed to talk happens, it's not a big deal. Yeah. For me.
Steve, why did you... So, Kelby, who is frequent uh, guest on the show... <laughs> I know where this is going. Well, he already says that one of the greatest mistakes TSM made in trading Doublelift was, or, or letting him join TL or whatever, was that not only did did they lose Doublelift, but TL gained Doublelift. Meaning, like, you you now have to play against him. It's not just that you don't have him on the roster anymore. Uh, TSM, which I feel like is a team that is on the cusp of returning to its former glory, uh, while TL struggled to split, you just handed them what many people would have said was your greatest asset. Uh, you know, you had the opportunity to not do that. Why, why make that decision? Um, when we came to a point in our conversations where things were broken and it was going to require a significant amount of effort to uh, fix that we wanted to explore the op the option of him playing for another team. And I asked him what teams he'd want to go on. And a couple of them, he said, absolutely not. I'm not playing for that <laughs> trash team, you know, um, and he, he listed a few teams. And so I, I, I tried to make that happen for him. It's really that simple, I guess. Yeah. You know, like, but Steve, yeah. just just send him to CLG for six <laughs> months, put him in prison for six months, so that way you can make worlds easier. That's Kelby's perspective. He's going to end up on TSM in the off season, anyways. Just you know, give yourself the best chance at worlds for a screwed up, screw Peter, screw double lift. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely that line of thinking. You know, the kind of cold hearted you know, do every gain every advantage that you possibly can to win. And I think that I'd rather beat another team at their best and still beat them than play those antics for a potential advantage. And I think the reputation of how we treat our players supersedes and carries on to future years. So rookies are willing to sign two, three year contracts with the organization because they know they're going to be treated well, even when legally they don't have to be. And another organization may do the wrong thing. But at TL, we just do what's right. It's that simple. Yeah. So, yeah. There's definitely a hidden cost to it. We're like, how many players have left the team and came back to it? You know, fucking Medios, even though that wasn't like a great example of people treating each other right. I just mean, like, it happens all the time. Pobelter's come and gone from Team Liquid a couple times. Doublelift has gone, come and gone a couple times. He's left TSM. He's now back there. Like, you know, having not not burning bridges is kind of important. Yeah, that's exactly the case. If we would have maybe acted like, or if I was going to use how name another team, that was <laughs> if I was going <laughs> 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 to. Yeah, but you do the right thing, and it, it comes around again. You know, we're a small industry, and so I'm thankful to the dozens of players that come back to the organization, whether it's Saint playing TFT or uh, Boy Boy is the. I mean, uh... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay, that's a joke. He's so done with solo queue that he's he's yeah. going back to LCS. Um, either way. GD nerd, I know we kind of went off topic on on that. I hope you. Uh, no, 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 that was us. great. All right, thank you. Any anything you want to shout out before we move on to our next caller? 
I wish I was working on my Alienware uh, work machine right now. Shout out to Alienware and uh, Cat for Kobe. Okay, wait, you had me in the first half of that. <laughs> All right, we can move on to the next caller. Um, What's Cat for Kobe? It's it's a really stupid thing. You don't need to. Oh, okay. It's it's ob- honestly obscene, and uh, you should. If anybody says that to you, you should be deeply offended. Twenty pounds of hummus. Thank you for the sub. Forever two gifted a sub to I love Mark. True Pyro Chimp, Hype Love Shack, uh, Darth Revan 92, Mr. C Blue 3, and Stahil. Stahil, thank you for the 23 months. Looks like we got, is it Hey Jorge or Hey? How, how do you hey, say Jorge. It? hey Jorge. Dude, that's, 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 that name is only ever said one way. Yeah. It's kind of funny, but anyway, so my <laughs> question. Uh, the, hang on, what the, the coach that was at uh, TL. What was his charge, right? George, charge? Yeah, that was George. It wasn't Jorge. And, but they're yeah, spelled but very similar. Jorge, what do you? Where are you calling from? North Carolina. North Carolina. What do you want to talk about on the show? So I actually want to talk about casters. So um, these are just a couple of them. There's actually been more, but we have now with chat. Deficio uh, obviously going with Origin. Uh, Roz, Papa Smithy. They've all moved on to roles outside of casting. Uh, whether they work for Riot independently or other organizations. This is this a career pathing issue? Um, this is like a long-term career issue or are they underpaid? Is it more about the money moving to a different role within an actual organization? I mean, I, I, it's, it's hard to speak for everybody, but through my interview process with coaches across the board in over 17 different games, I would say that when there's a passion to compete, like a drive to be involved in the competition. It's like a, it's like an itch that you want to scratch, you know, it's like something that you love doing. And usually it starts with playing professionally and being a player. And maybe, you know, you just, you're too boomer to play anymore. And like, (laughs) you want to come and be still involved in the competition, the wins, the losses, the stress, the anxiety, the wins, the accomplishments. And you, you know, you, and I, and I think there's just some folks that want to do that and some folks that don't. Whether you throw money or job security or whatever all these kind of things in a compensation package may look like, if it's missing the heart, then it's not going to work. And I think some of those that are likely successful is because their heart's in it. Would you I say think, uh... that Mark lacked a drive of competition? That why he left the organization and is now just what a do you think, Steve? <laughs> I mean, he was managing a much different roster with much many a lot of different resources. Could Mark have become <laughs> could could Mark have become the greatest coach if you hadn't given him such a, a terrifying lineup? If he wasn't sleeping in the closet and yeah. <laughs> working out of like a toaster. I, yeah. I mean, on the competition point, I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, I don't think I'm the most competitive person um, around, but like when you're in the the trenches with with like them, you just have like this bond, this camaraderie that is like really hard to find anywhere else in life. Like when you and a group of people are all dedicated to one idea and like one goal, even if you come up short, which we did, unfortunately, but like you have that that bond. It's definitely something that people like Deficio and Jat who were pro players before you just won't ever get that from the broadcasting side. Um, and so, you know, like Steve's saying, if you want to scratch that itch, um, you kind of have to go back to the professional scene probably to get that again. 
Um, um, I'm not sure that answers Jorge's larger. No, question. the larger question so is why? Why? Okay, so maybe some of the casters want to compete, but is there a, a problem where casters don't have, like, they're stuck at the end of their their road essentially? And I, I think right. that's an interesting one. I mean, you could kind of. So this is all speculation. I haven't talked to to Jad about this other than like the interviews that I did. But it's it's interesting to me that Jad was always pushing himself where he like stepped away from being a caster and then he was just full-time analyst desk and then then he went and I think some of that was because game he was design. having throat issues and stuff. But then he went to game design and then that didn't work out for him so he came back but when he came back he started doing like specialized projects like JLXP etc. So I think there are some people who like speaking personally for me on the on the personality side, I know that I would be very bored if I just did interviews in this show. And that's why I'm always trying to find other random stupid shit that ultimately fails to do. Um, and I think I am happy that even though my career has had ups and downs, it wasn't a story where I went to GameSpot and just did interviews and that was my thing for the rest of the time now for some people that's great i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that but i do feel as though a lot of like i, I can kind of understand how certain casters um or talent might get frustrated where they feel like you're just groundhog daying it you know constantly you go you cast north america loses and then you cast the next year again and uh and, you know, it's an interesting situation mark i don't know if you have more thoughts on this coming from the broadcast side no i think i think it's it is somewhat limited but not specifically more than other avenues as long as you're open to the idea of taking on new things like being a coach where do you go from there you know like you start as an analyst maybe you go become an assistant coach you become a head coach and then like by the time you make the next jump to GM, if you want to do that, you're you're like super removed from what you were just doing at the previous position day to day. Like you're not really working with the players on honing their craft, become the best. You're working on an organizational level. That's the same thing with with being a, a caster. You know, like Riot is more or less down to help people branch out if they want to. Um, we've had people who are on the graphics team become producers. Like if I had a serious conversation with someone and it's like, hey, I want to move into more of a producing role maybe they would they would try and accommodate me um but like caster is in some sense limited like i said a coach would be if you were just i'm going to coach for my whole career like how many coaches think that <laughs> you know yeah honestly in the league scene um so i i do think that co that casting is probably a little limited of a skill set but um or like in terms of like you reach the ceiling and there's not that much more to do but that that's true with so many avenues in life like i know this guy do you guys know who Josh Lee Kawhi is? He does like that Magic the Gathering show. He was like an editor for Disney, you know? And he he was doing that like 30. Like, where the fuck do you go from there? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. you're, you're Disney's editor, you know? Like you, 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 like, you hit something and then like you find something new and you jump and start doing that. And you start doing like Magic the Gathering shows because he fucking loves magic. And I think for creative people, which some broadcasters are you know or, or competitive people you whenever you hit that wall you look for the next the next thing to do and i don't think that's necessarily an indictment of casting per se i mean there's now, also what, we're not even talking about the financial implications right like sure you you i don't i mean i don't have deep insight into the financial situation of the the casters it's not something that in the u.s people generally tend to talk about as their their salaries but 
it's hard to imagine a world where you're like, if, if you're saying to yourself, I want to go buy a house in LA and like start a family, um, that stuff is really expensive and you might need to go find something else because I think on the high end, like, you know, Riot's never going to be like, Hey, you did a great job casting worlds this year. We're going to double your salary next year. You know what I mean? It's like how I imagine given the somewhat like monopoly they have on the league tournament side, there's not, you know, like overwatch, you know, pulled crumbs over and crumbs comes back. It, there's not too much movement between these different leagues and these different games too. So I feel like, even on you know and again this is all, all pure speculation but even on the financial side there is a need to potentially go someplace else depending on what your financial aspirations are right and to pay you back on that do you think anyone actually took a pay cut into their new role i think that's kind of what i'm getting at right like when you talk about career i don't path, think anyone took a pay cut. cut it's it's not only just like oh i want to try new challenges but it's also like yeah, I want to provide for my future, right? And so I think that's what's almost what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I don't think anyone sans maybe LS is optimizing, you know, he's probably going a little bit too far. He's he's crazy how much time he puts into it. Like, uh, but, you know, going the my route as a contractor, but actually hitting the streets hard. And if I was a full-time streamer as well as LCS broadcaster and I'm producing shitloads of content, and doing all these other things. So I'm getting paid by Riot and I have my own personal sponsorships and branding. Kind of like uh, Shox is probably a good example. Yeah, I was about like, to say Shox did that and I feel like has done right. a good job of finding stuff. Right. Like I think there is more money to be made than if you just want to be on Riot's salary, but you have to be willing to, to put in the extra work and find those things that you you want to do. Um, and maybe, you know, I don't think it's, it's honestly, I, I don't think that fun as, as much fun as that sounds. Like that is a lot of stress and a lot of time you're sinking into it. So I don't think everyone is is of that mindset. And so that's why sometimes a career move might be a better option. Yeah, I mean, I, my take on it is that you, you're you going to have varying degrees of compensation in someone that has the same exact role. And that has a lot to do with their effectiveness and their commitment to their craft. And in those situations, you can go pretty high in a lot of roles in either casting or coaching, but it also goes low, right? There are probably a lot of coaches in LCS that are probably making less than some of the casters, right? And so it depends on basically how committed you are to what you're doing is I think the, the answer there. Um, but, but my take on it is that the ones that will be successful in either casting or color commentary or content or coaching are the ones that love and find the fit, you know, where it's just a good marriage of what they're good at, their strengths are being applied and it comes to bear in either championships or an amazing post game show, <laughs> right? Right yeah. after Worlds. So, yeah. I mean, I, uh, I feel, I gotta imagine that the coaching side has so many upsides. If you could just like, I hope Reaper is just making Jack bleed. You know, he's just taking all that money, all that equity, and just uh, saying, "This is I've done this for you." Anyway, uh, Jorge, any other thoughts? Should we say <laughs> Jack just said the chat? He's breaking me. Uh, Jorge, any other thoughts um, or shoutouts before we move on to our next caller? I just hope that the uh, content vacuum gets filled up from uh, Jet Moon or the coach. 
I mean, I don't think I don't think you need to worry about other content. Yeah, that's I not think much of a vacuum. That's yeah, like a there's, light. There's a there's a lot of content. PSIs. Out there. Um, if you haven't yet, you should subscribe to Travis Gaffer on YouTube. There's a constant stream of content. Jorge, thank you so much for the call. All right, moving on to we got two more callers left. Might wrap the show a little early today. I, I might pull some more if people want to keep posting in the Discord as well. Uh, I don't mind. If we see anything good, but we don't need to flush <laughs> uh One other thing I was going to say is I just don't think that there's like the the day to day for being a caster is also like especially for a color caster you're expected to stay on top of the game at a really high level, and so the people who aren't going to get bored of a game. Is, is pretty limited population size as a whole not even like pro players get bored of their games you know and so like that's another layer on top of it that you have to think about beyond your enjoyment of the craft of getting in front of a camera and talking and you gotta stay motivated whenever certain splits don't matter that's also a big thing you know it's Tough like so, that was a joke all right yeah uh you <laughs> okay uh pop Suvich, thank you for the one year and Sangyam, thank you for gifting a sub to Ovali May uh, as well. It's always nice whenever people get hooked up on the stream. Thanks, everyone, for subbing, by the way. I appreciate it. We, uh, we lost 250 subs over the weekend. I don't know how. They just they must have just done like a hotline league and they all expired or something. But uh, there, there we go. Uh, should be getting the next caller from the waiting room in just a moment. By the way, this is available on podcast. So if you guys are listening uh, and you want to listen on the podcast, it's on Spotify, iTunes, etc. Sometimes I get messages from people that are like, "Would you consider putting this on there?" Yes, it's on there. Oh, that's listen cool. to it. Yeah, I didn't know that. It's Rayo. Thank you for the Twitch Prime, and we got Zyfix here. Zyfix, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Denmark. Denmark. Yeah. Whoa! What time is it there? Whoa. It's six thirty a.m. Oh my gosh! Damn. Are you waking up or going to bed? So I'm doing like, yeah. I'm staying up <laughs> okay. for 24 hours because my sleep schedule is that fucked. So. Nice. Well, I feel like, especially in these quarantine days, it's easy to have that happen. Uh, what do you want to talk about on the show? So pretty much my take is the fact that castles are getting jobs as uh, coaches and general managers is uh, a result of other candidates and like teams not going deep into like working, scouting other talent from developing regions, etc. Because there's a reason that the casters chose to be casters instead of coaches or general managers, etc. Um, I think that's happening a lot in NA. Uh, and yeah. So you're saying essentially uh, the idea is teams could do a better job of scouting other co coaches, but yeah. they are picking the casters because they're kind of like right in front of them. Yeah, exactly. They're right in front of them instead of like scouting talent in developing regions, like. EU Masters is a good example of where you can see like strong teams themselves. Uh, Steve, <laughs> what went into looking for coaches in this offseason? Did you just look up like Twitter users or anything? Or <laughs> went to your <laughs> um, You know, we we looked at uh, coaches uh, that are, were not in Canada and the U.S. and um, you know, I think some of those conversations were really good, but during that process um, and because of the pandemic and also uh, some changes to the USCIS and immigration, 
and uh, the issues that we had with visa processing, which impacted our spring split, um, taking on some of those additional risks in the middle of the split, I think would not be a wise decision. So um, we're unfortunately kind of uh, not as available to, um, you know, quickly do a visa like we had done in the past. <laughs> and it's just, it's tougher now. Do you think, do you think that that means across the board, we'll just see less teams taking chances on foreign talent in any position, coaching or otherwise players? Steve? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, someone in, in discord mentioned this guy, give him a shout out, but like the whole global pandemic thing too, if we're just being honest about the situation, like how many choices can you really pull right now? Like they have to live in LA if you want to head coach right now. Right. I mean, yeah, that's a, I, I assume you could get them from somewhere else in the U S but yeah, I guess you're right. I, I mean, that's kind probably... of what we were talking about with the, uh, this current free, you know, free agency or not free agency, but the trade window right now, you're not going to probably see too many moves. I mean, Steve, I would imagine, you know, I, I don't want to say necessarily you're looking on the LCS side, but in general, I assume you, your expectation is the same as mine. We won't see too many trades happening during this off season for new players um, or anybody outside of the the U.S. because it's just so difficult with the pandemic. Yeah, I think it was already difficult based on just uh, political climate, and then it became even more difficult with the pandemic. And I believe that that will lead to less players uh, successfully or even teams evaluating those options because of how difficult it might be. And... Um, yeah, talent's going to have to come from N.A. <laughs> God help us all. <laughs> In a situation where visas are easier to get and uh, there's not a global pandemic, you know, I assume that it would be more of the GM's job to compile this list of coaching candidates that then you would come help look through. Like, what does a hiring process in a normal environment look like for, for a coaching candidate? Yeah, in a normal environment, um, it's uh, a disregard of, of, of where they are. Um, we're going to give them an opportunity to come in and coach the team or uh, play on the team. You know, we're, uh, I think it's imperative that we find the right type of uh, either agency relationships or on the ground relationships with these different regions to help us identify talent that we should be speaking with if we can't self-identify that ourselves. And I think in some cases, even establishing the type of relationship where maybe a team can help develop that talent with the option of coming to Team Liquid in the future uh, kind of helps that as well. So, and that should go for a lot of region, regions. Um, I have a lot of experience in this too, you know, uh, uh, we've imported a number of players from the OCE region, obviously Korea, uh, Europe, uh, and we were one of the first to even pioneer this stuff. We got a, uh, 
Oh, we had an O one one visa for Elements, if anybody remembers Elements. Oh, um, yeah, was, I thought you were going to talk about <laughs> or something back in the day. No, Elements, we did an O one one and then we got um, a, uh, a P1A. I think I, I want to say it was the first ever P1A ever done for League for Edward. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I was oh, kind Edward, of... I totally forgot. Yeah, like... Th- th- it's um it's something that we are constantly looking at you know and i i i i think we've done an amazing job at being able to develop the type of infrastructure that can accommodate um international players that are coming coming here i think we've done a really damn good job at it with translators and management and resources and all that kind of stuff so yep i mean does that help you or does that change your opinion at all Zyfix is just sort of the challenges around the visa stuff and the pandemic yeah it gives a lot of perspective but i still think like previous years i agree that liquid has done a great job at like importing great players and they've had a good coaching staff throughout the years and general managers uh i'm more talking about like the lower tier teams that could that, that should have looked for talent in emerging regions especially on the coaching and general managing side because i think they have not really done a good job making good teams. Like that's the reason that Shield U did poorly last bit. And I think yeah, previous years it's just been very poorly managed. Uh so Jack was in chat earlier and he said something along the lines of there's a lot of Garbo coaches. So maybe maybe Jack would yeah. agree with you. <laughs> exactly. I think Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. I think there's a lot of players that have the the skill to play very well here in North America. Um, there's obviously some language barriers depending on the types of countries that you're looking at. And you must have the infrastructure in place because there's a real thing called culture shock when you have a player come to the US and doesn't speak the native language and that will have a direct impact on their mentality and then ultimately their performance. So you have to you have to think about all these variables on can you even <clears throat> think about importing a player from Brazil that speaks Portuguese and bring them onto the roster? Like, do you have the resources in place? And if you don't, then you're probably not even looking in the region. Yeah. So. Hey, Zyfix, thanks so much for the call. Yeah, no problem. Anything you want to shout out before we move on to our next caller? I think shout out to Steve. I think he's done a super good job with Liquid all the way from Curse. I've been a big fan. I think he's like the best owner. <laughs> Thank you. So, that's it. Appreciate so much that. for the call. Have a good one. Yeah, Jack too. is definitely second. Jack, that, that definitely had a subtext of suck it, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hella Carey just subbed for uh, tier two. Thank you. It's awesome. I, I never get tier two subs. Thank you. Um, thank you for the Illumf or gifting a sub to Illumf. And then uh, also for gifting one to Ofardo. Thank you. Uh, looks like we got our next caller, which is Weather. Weather, where are you calling from? Birmingham, Alabama. Birmingham, Alabama. How's things going in Alabama? It's going. <laughs> what, what <are> <laughs> hey, man, they're going in L.A. too. That's what I always say. Uh, what, what do you want to talk about on the show? So I think that due to double lifting the TSM, uh, that NA is sending its three best teams it's ever sent internationally in Cloud9, TSM, and Team Liquid. So, first off, I don't know if we're sending anyone international this year, but hopefully uh, <laughs> everything works out okay, and we do. Um, 
What? Why? Go ahead and break expand on your your take. So I think Cloud Nine. I think it's kind of recognized about that they have a lot of analysts say that they have a chance to compete internationally because they have a good top side of the map, and I think that's what's lacked in a internationally in the past is a good top side of the map, and so I think that with Doublelift going off of Team Liquid that it opens up Broxa to play more toward the top side of the map, which he's more comfortable with at, um, like, a use at Fnatic. And so I think it opens him to be more comfortable playing that play style. And then I think with TSM, it's going to help them because I think Doublelift gives TSM a new voice that's much needed to help play that style. I want to I want to ask Steve first. Do you agree with the caller that those, if they're you know come end of summer, there's an international competition. Those are the three teams going. Oh man. Um, well, I would definitely say TL and Cloud Nine. So the third one is up for discussion, and the viable options would be TSM, EG, Flyquest. FlyQuest, of those, did EG or FlyQuest make any changes? Uh, nothing uh, public. No, nothing announced. Um, hmm, I'd probably give it to FlyQuest or TSM, and if I had to pick between the two, I guess I'd probably lean a bit more to TSM. I just think that, and I said this in, in um, one of the vlogs that I did, I think Peter is going to have one of the best splits he's ever had. Uh, I think he's going to be super motivated um, <laughs> after everything that's happened. And for what that's worth, uh, if that shows in the next, what, four months or so, then let's see it. Yeah. I think, uh, and then I guess the follow-up question is, do you think it'll be some of the best teams North America has ever sent before? I mean, obviously with C9 and yourselves, and then who knows about the third team. Wait, say it again? Do you th uh, the other thing the caller said was that these will no. be the three best teams North America has ever sent internationally. Do you agree uh, with uh, that that comment at all? Um, it's, I think it's it's too early to tell. I think, uh, I think the meta will change. It will be what teams can dominate, whatever that is. And uh, we're going to have to wait and see. Um, too early to... To, to say i know that i just dodged the question but yeah i mean uh, i know i think it's fine to say it's... like i mean this this in my opinion spring split looked incredibly rough there was nobody who could contest c9 and we don't know if that's because c9 was super good or they were just like or... better than everybody else who was sucking and so i think it is caller i would i would just say it's very ambitious to say after the spring split i just watched that <laughs> we will send our three greatest teams to have ever existed to uh, to worlds. Well, I will say it's not a massive bar for that to be true. <laughs> like, that's a, that's kind of what I'm going teams out of groups. Of. Like that's possible. Um, We've done it before. I also don't think it's actually going to be. It's kind of hard for NA to do well internationally though, because there's going to be one LPL team in every group and one LEC team in every group. And I think it's going to be hard for NA to actually achieve internationally. But I do think this is the best three teams NA has sent. So I think it has our, we have our best chance, if that makes sense. Okay, so I, I'm going to take a, three steps back and sort of challenge the whole the premise. For, Steve, what makes you so confident in TL? You guys just, 
I would finish ninth. Yeah, I would say I would say that the the coaching changes that we've made, if it goes well, we're going to be amazing on that front. And through the diligence and I guess the investigation, so to speak, that I was able to do the diagnosis of the issues, um, coming to the conclusion that so many of them were solvable was just you know, music to my ears, right? Like this can be solved. This can be solved on the coaching side. And if we just did this differently, then we'd be teaching X, Y, Z more effectively. And I think that sets us up because the pieces are great. Um, and so that coupled with the fact that we're not going to be coming in with such a burden on the visa issues and, you know, this, this player not playing until week three and this player coming in a day, 24 hours after getting off of a flight from Australia to start the season. Like th these are just, we kind of shed all the bullshit and we're able to go in fully prepared, fully motivated, fresh and ready. And I think the talent is there and the motivation. Uh, so yeah, I feel, I feel absolutely confident that we're going to, have an incredible rebound um in the split that matters <laughs> so uh i i want to give you the chance here as well with uh you're a little hesitant to put tsm as the third team how much of that is due to you hating tsm and slash your rivalry with reggie and hoping that they like do you do you want to see peter succeed or and, and tsm succeed or do you hope that they bust her out or are you indifferent i guess are the three options? yeah i mean um i to be really honest, I'd say I don't know what's happening with the rest of their team. Like, are they changing their jungler? Are they not changing their jungler? Um, what are they doing to their coaching staff? I have no idea. Uh, are there good decisions being made going into summer? Uh, what's going to happen? Like, I, I, I just don't, I don't know. I think there's a lot of question marks in terms of um, how they're managing things over there. And I don't know. Like uh, To Mark's point, yeah. do you feel like this is the we I, I feel as though we have not had like a, a strong rivalry other than maybe like TSMC nine for some time in North America. And I'm curious if you feel as though this will spark a TL TSM rivalry because the last time Peter left a team, he said, I wanna make them regret their decision and everything and I, I wanna end their legacy. Now he's since joined that team again, but <laughs> and, and pretty um, much did that. Right? He succeeded. Now he's going to rebuild it. Yes, exactly. He's, he's so so. I guess uh, my point is: Do you think that you know? Do you think that Peter's going to come up on a video that Riot will will bait him into asking something, and he'll say, "I want to crush the liquid and their stupid coaching staff who I've blah and." Uh, and you know, like T then like the TLTSM game will be super fierce, and there'll be trash talk on Twitter and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think some of the things that you mentioned is kind of like the noise, right? At the root of any good rivalry are like the realities of the situation. And here you've got some good realities. Okay. Right? Yeah, <laughs> like you know, like you've got you got Peter moving over to TSM. You've got tactical. Like I can't wait for the fucking first game TL. I don't know if it's the first game. The first game we play against TSM, and it's going to be like that bot lane. 
Like, what the fuck is going to happen in that bot lane, right? Like, yeah. I want to see it. I, I really want to see it. Like, I'm yeah. down. I was going to say, I have to imagine that, like, you know, I don't know how big this this feeling is, but there has to be a feeling at some level on a team that's like, man, fuck double lift, right? Like, there yeah, has yeah. to exist. I know. I, I feel like the, the prep going into that game is going to be like, okay, core, tactical, what do you guys want? What do you need? Okay, we're running Karthus, Nocturne, double TP, shit. Yeah. <laughs> we're coming down bot. It's going to be a party down there, you know? Like, I, I, I feel like both teams are just going to strategize that just to... You know what it is, <laughs> but yeah. So some of that stuff, yes. Like, there's a lot. There, there's a lot building up into. I, I guess you can call it a rivalry. It's just like there's 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 a there's some visibility on the emotions that are real that are going on, right? So yeah, yeah. it happens. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, weather. Did that address your call or your your question or your take? Yeah, pretty much. Thank you so much for calling in. Any shout-outs you want to say before we move on to our last caller? Yeah, I want to shout-out the Team Liquid Discord. Um, I'm a CLG refugee fan, and TL has welcomed me in their Discord. Thank you. Thanks Thanks for joining. Their staff is really good, like Necra. Awesome. Yeah, we we have an amazing Discord, by the way. Uh, One of the biggest by far. Um, of any other <laughs> esports organization, and yes, our staff are amazing. Well, thank you, Weather, so much. Have a good one. Thank you to Sangium who just gifted seventeen subs in the chat. Holy moly! I don't know why seventeen, but I'm not complaining. Very specific number. I appreciate it. Helping to rebuild what was lost over the weekend. Pabelling is here. Pabelling, uh, you've been on the show before, right? Or have I just said your name a ton when you sub? No, he's been on a bunch, right? Yeah, yeah, I've been on a couple times. That's right. Okay. Uh, remind me where you're calling from. Uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, that's right. That's right. What do you want to talk about on the show? So I, I actually think that Teal has been unchained by trading away Doublelift from the team. Um, and that they will end up finishing at least top three going into summer, uh, mostly just because, like, kind of going into a talk about play style. Um, I feel like, you know, looking at things the past three seasons, uh, or two seasons, I guess, you know, Teal's biggest issue in my mind has always been that they were a bot-focused team. And not that that's necessarily bad, but I feel like the meta's kind of shifted away from that a little bit over the past couple seasons. Um and, you know, teams that historically have had double lift on them have been notoriously chained ba- down by the fact that they've always been kind of a bot-focused playstyle team. Not that, you know, and I think that you guys kind of tried to stray away from that this last split. There definitely was a little bit more attention uh, towards mid with, you know, Jensen being more of the focus. But I think, you know, by removing double lift, you guys have essentially pulled like a Rock Lee by taking the weights off uh-huh. and... <laughs> Now we'll finally be able to play kind of a mid-jungle focus play style by adding tactical to the mix. And I think especially with Broxa, like, that'll help immensely because I think, you know, Broxa had his best performances, you know, when he was playing on Fnatic with Caps. And, you know, him and Caps played extremely well together. So I think, you know, and I think Caps and Jensen to some extent have a similar play style. So I think that'll, you know, really help going forward in terms of, you know, him you know, being able to develop a synergy with him. Cause I think, you know, obviously him coming in late uh, prevented that to some extent. So I, I just think in general, it was a good move, you know, regardless of, of what everyone else is, is kind of saying about it. I think that, you know, in the end, it'll end up benefiting TL. 
Steve, for yourself and, and talking to the coaching staff, do you feel like the the double lift presence on the team forced a, a certain play style? Um, no, I I think that uh, in order to be a really solid, rock solid team, um, you've got to. I don't know if anybody realized what I just did there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but uh, in order to do that, you have to be on the same page, right? And that's how you play the game based on whatever team comps that you have. And I think it's, I think, uh, I get hated for saying this, but I, I do think the community is a bit too black and white when it comes to playing through bot, playing through mid, playing through top. I think each team comp designates a certain play style and you have to play that way. Right. And your ability to execute that and it varies and it varies by the meta. And so in a season, the best teams are going to be the ones that play to the right lanes. If you've got a lot of kill pressure in bot or you have a lot of kill pressure in mid, then you play through those lanes. And then a lot of that has to do with champion selection. It's not something that is a broad sweeping statement about, a particular team and their play style. And while it may be more consistent because of certain champion picks for a particular split or patch, um, usually the best teams are just understanding of the lanes to gank, right? Like if you've got Sedge and you've got Aurelia mid, then you just gank that lane, right? Or <laughs> if you've got Thresh in bot lane and it's Ash Thresh, like, yeah, come on down bot, right? Like we got a lot of kill pressure down here. Like, so the the teams that are not playing well or they're not using those inherent advantages that are being provided to them during the band pick phase. So, I, you know, it, it's tough to say what kind of team we're going to be and how we'll play. But what's most important that is there is a synergy with Broxa and each of the lanes when it's warranted. And they're able to pull that off when it's needed. So. Yeah. I, and I, a sorry, very you good go. caller. Uh, I was going to say, and I, I definitely feel like there, you know, there was an obvious disconnect that you saw this last split in terms of just how the team was playing, you know, throughout the entirety of it. And I think, you know, you you make a good point with that, that, you know, I think the team kind of has to be on the same page to some extent. So I, I think um, what you said is extremely accurate in how things should be, but unfortunately that's not how they always end up uh, just due to, player play styles and being able to like you, you know communicate with the jungler with the Aurelia session like yeah you want to combo that together but maybe you don't work that well or sometimes you have someone who is used to getting the attention and, and is maybe calling for ganks or pressure in the bot lane or top lane when this mid Aurelia sesh 2v2 should be occurring and things like that um and I'm not even saying this is a double if specific point but was there any of that going on in team liquid where like Yes, we recognize that this is the, how the comp is played, but we struggled with these things, and maybe we'll be better in summer or anything like that. Like, was there any of that, like, uh, those struggles going on? Yes. Um, I think every team is going to struggle with where resources should be allocated during the early and probably early mid-phase of the game. And um, there's probably a better answer among that but there's multiple different ways to win and that 
goes to conversation and debate about what we could have done or should have done or will do next time. And so talking through those to then get on the same page the next time there is a similar situation as what you're trying to do. But um, yeah, I mean, I think every team is going to go through some degree of conflict in terms of how the game should be played, but it's the coach's job to create the proper alignment. Um, and then for the players to, to see and believe in that and then execute. Um, for TL fans, I'll put on my TL thinking cap here. Bro- Broxy was the big offseason move, came, had a couple games that you're like, oh yeah, that's Broxy. And then a lot of ones where you were not seeing the same Broxy that we had seen on Fnatic for years. So what, you know, last split, other like how much was the Vista situation being late versus like the team not functioning well? Like if I'm a TL fan, if I'm a TL fan trying to look at this optimistically, I think on the outside, I, I want to believe in some sense that double lift was a problem so that I'm like, now things will be way better for, for Broxa. Is, is like, if, if a TL fan was thinking that, is that just like totally off the mark? Like, no, double lift wasn't forcing Broxa to come bot lane. And, you know, that's why he couldn't gank mid and top the way he wanted or anything like that. Because I think a lot of fans see that those tactical games where he came in and Broxa popped off pretty hard. And I think whether or not that was fair or not, people kind of made that connection in their minds. Well, and I, I also feel like, too, something to Mark's point is, you know, even if that wasn't the game plan or that wasn't necessarily something set up by the coaches, sometimes just having a player like Doublelift or, or Bjergsen or, you know, even like Faker on, you know, T1, right, on that team just puts, a, you know, pressure, you know, for other players to sometimes, you know, play around that lane or, you know, maybe give up resources when they, they shouldn't, right? So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, 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 I see the logic, but I think it just there's so much variability from game to game and the draft where it's tough to come to those types of conclusions consistently. I think if the question is, do we feel like Peter dictated a, a unwarranted amount of dedication to his lane? I don't think so. I, I, I don't believe that. Um, does Peter's play style uh, show that he likes to gain small advantages? Absolutely, right? He plays a more risk adverse, I'd say, rather than, you know, um, like a more calculated kind of uh, advantage taking, you know, small incremental gains throughout the, the match rather than these kind of like, bigger team fight type of things early on. And so I think it's more about like how you play a certain team comp than it is like getting resources allocated to one lane or another. Um, I think we've also got four championships to prove that, you know, it's, it's that kind of argument of like Peter dictating or demanding. I I, I think that's erroneous. I, 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 I don't, it, it didn't happen. (laughs) um and uh you know but peter may have a different play style than another player and i think that's okay like yeah and 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 to be clear i'm not trying to put peter on blast or or say that he's dictating this or or saying that hey you need to come and gank my lane every single time you know i I, i'm just saying like you know at least from 
looking at teams he's been on in the, in the past, it just it seems that there is a general jungle proximity to bottom lane, and it's it's not necessarily a you know me saying that he's saying come to my lane or you know anything like that because I don't think he's that type of player as as you've you know stated. I think it's you know I don't know I I just feel like with tactical it 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 makes your team seem a little bit more balanced almost to some extent, and I think you know like another point is too is I I feel like Jensen especially like if if Broxa gives you know, him more resources and, and focuses on mid lane a lot. Like Jensen had some of his best splits when, uh, you know, like when Sven was on the team, giving him, you know, giving him a lot of attention or, you know, even previous junglers, right? So I feel like that, you know, bodes well for your team. Well, we'll have to see how things play out in the uh, coming months as, as summer split starts up. But I want to thank you so much for calling in, Pabelling. Anything that you want to shout out as we move to wrap up the show? Belling. Oh, oh. Uh, shout out to Alienware. Uh, shout out to Cats for Kobe as well too. Before we end the show here. <laughs> great, great having you on. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, nobody go anywhere because I'm staying on stream. If you're watching the stream, stay on. I'm going to talk about some stuff and, and do a bounty. But uh, I want to wrap up the show. So thanks so much, Steve, for coming on. Let's do a round of uh, plug shoutouts. Mark, what do you got for us? Uh, I don't know if we're doing a dive this week. I don't think we are because I don't think enough happened. I don't, unlike yeah. this show, I don't think we can fill an hour in of conversation about Jet without with just the three of us. So. I think you guys could. You guys can finally say all the things you've wanted to say about him for so long. That's true. Maybe maybe I'll just record an hour uh, <laughs> thing myself. The manifesto with Jet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't, I don't have anything going on. I'm just I'm just plugging away on my own fun stuff. Yikes. Okay, uh, Steve. Yeah. yeah um, well, thanks for having me on the show again. It's always a pleasure. I enjoy just chatting. Um, so thank you for that. And shout out to Alienware. Love you guys. Everybody there. Um, thanks for making this happen. They were uh, in the chat earlier. I'm curious if they they might have maybe they fell asleep. Um, yeah. It's kind of late in Austin, but yeah, no, thank you. Thank you, Steve, for coming on. I think it's really fun that we were able to coordinate yeah. this so that you were, you know, you, the announcement went up today and then I immediately could tweet, you know, you got questions, come on and, and talk to Steve yeah. on the show. So I think it worked out really And well. it didn't leak. Can we all just appreciate that for like just a minute? Like, this is like one of those things where it's like, oh my Travis, God. how long did you, how long did you know for? Because we both knew, Travis told me at some point I, uh, yeah, I knew for several days and I, when I messaged TL and I was like, Hey, can I, or two weeks ago, I think I said, Hey, can I talk to Steve <laughs> about all the changes? And then a couple days later, Nicola, who works on their PR was like, yeah, uh, Steve can talk about stuff whenever the coaching stuff hits. Are you down? And I said, yes. And she's like, what day? And I, by that point in time, I'd found out. So I was just like. Yeah. Also, um, I'm not going to say anything because I feel like this is a major career move and I feel like that would be kind of screwy. But uh, as soon as I could talk to Jat, that would also be kind of cool. <laughs> so anyway, uh, and her, her response, her response understandably was, uh, well, Jat might want to talk to the players some before he talks to the public about what his plans are for the team. So we can't do it on Monday. I was like, okay, that's fine. Um, 
Either way. Is, uh, Tra Travis has done his one good deed for not leaking. So next time TL has some big news, Travis is putting it out there. I guess he already uh, kind of did with the double lift thing, right? We, you broke oh, yeah. That. You broke the double lift stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I tried, like... Well, the... let's be fair. Dot Esports broke it. Yes, that's true. As, the uh, the, um, I think I've tried to... As roster moves have become less of a, like... It used to be that teams would just hate. It was the end of the world because they would sell a sponsor or like a a player announcement to sponsors, and you'd be like screwing them over on their sponsor revenue and stuff. And now it's just kind of an expectation that the stuff is going to uh, leak. So I'm, but I w I would definitely oh. wouldn't do it to Jack because I feel like that'd be so fucked because you know it's not him tr going to a different team. It's like him changing his life. So anyway, it's just respectable. Uh, random real quick thing. Yeah. The Voiboy thing. I meant to pull a topic for it, and I thought I did, oh, but I don't yeah. know what happened. Uh, I watched a little bit of it. Maybe we just talk about it next week. I mean, there won't yeah, be much to talk about between now and then. I, think really so. about it. I don't know. It's fine. Either way, thanks so much, Steve, for coming on the show. Yes, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Mark. This has been Appreciate Hotline it. League episode, I believe, 121.